0: <laughs> i like it i'm ready the people are ready let's go welcome to money savage engage this is george grumbacher ari Mizell is the founder of less doing he's a productivity coach an entrepreneurial strategist and author a podcast host i'm excited to have you on ari tell us a little bit about your personal life some more about your work and why you do what you do
1: sure uh, so i am a father of four young children i'm a volunteer e m t which I've been doing for about ten years, and I'm a woodworker those are those are sort of the personal sides of me and on the work side, I help make entrepreneurs more replaceable
0: nice how does one a become a,
1: yeah thanks
0: how, uh, how does one become a volunteer e m t or what what is uh, the motivation well,
1: there yeah, so There were a few different motivations, but one of them was that when I was uh, 23 years old, I got diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which is a chronic inflammatory condition considered to be incurable. And it was really, really debilitating. And through a long process of self-tracking, self-experimentation, I was actually able to overcome the illness. And, And... one of the things that I wanted to do as part of that journey was really learn as much as I could about the human body. So I actually, I became a yoga instructor uh, and I became an EMT. And I've always had the desire to make things and fix things. And so this was sort of an extension of that. And it's, it's, uh, I've been extremely active in it in the last several months with the pandemic. And it is just something that I love the EMS work more than anything I've ever done before.
0: Nice. I imagine it's a crazy challenging and rewarding and and scratching all those itches.
1: Yeah, it's definitely scratched all those itches and it's you know, when you asked me at the beginning of the show if, if I was ready, you know, <laughs> I I I work or I volunteer in a in a town, a rural area where I am one of three EMTs in the whole town and I've got a pager on my belt at all time and wow. the call comes in, and I jump in my truck and go. So I am I'm always ready. <laughs>
0: Like that that's that's that that's that's amazing so thank you for for making the commitment and the sacrifices that it takes to do that with a family and kids and and full time job and everything else that that goes along with that so that's that's an incredible sacrifice that you're, that you're making
1: Thank you it never it never feels that way it's it's such a great opportunity and a privilege
0: nice I think that, that that's that that is very 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 cool so tell me a little bit about more, more about um, making uh, the CEO or the entrepreneur replaceable.
1: Yeah, so this is a, it's an interesting thing to see how people react to that word. It's a very powerful word in some ways because I don't want to replace anybody. I'm not trying to look at a way to fire anybody because replaceability to me is not just about the entrepreneur or the founder. It's really about everybody on the team. But ultimately, what we want to do by making people more replaceable is systematize and automate and outsource and delegate all the things that they do that they don't need to do. and so we're, we're doing that we, we don't actually need to do. It's not what we're best at. It's not what we are the most effective. And in, in hoarding those things, we're sort of perpetuating this egocentric idea that that's what makes us valuable, while at the same time robbing other people the opportunity to experience empowerment and growth. it's it's a really much every company that I come across experiences and so if you take this mindset to be more replaceable and and being more replaceable is really about having the focus flexibility and freedom to be really effective and freedom and particularly in this instance is ultimately about having the freedom to leave the business without it crumbling in your absence and and quite the opposite It, it can grow without you and beyond you and leaving doesn't have to be permanent. We don't, that's not the goal either. I'm not trying to get every entrepreneur to leave their company, but they should be able to.
0: I think that that certainly makes a lot of sense is, did you have a sense of what percentage of time on average, uh, the entrepreneur is doing stuff that they shouldn't really be doing?
1: (laughs) Probably. I mean, the eighty twenty rule works really easily for this, so mm-hmm. I, 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 would, I would say it's a fair fair estimate about eighty percent. There's 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 so few individual things that entrepreneurs do that are really the most most valuable thing, and that, that just because there's few things doesn't mean it could be a limited amount of time. You could do two things for ten hours a day if you wanted to, but we get so easily bogged down because it's it's often the CEO role that is the last role to be defined in a growing company, right? Mm -hmm. Because you started up by yourself, you brought on a team, you kind of just fill in the holes. And what that means is that you're the catch all and you're always going to be the catch all until you start setting limits and working within those constraints.
0: I imagine that, uh, well, it it makes all sense in the world. The, 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 the more that you have and respect boundaries, then the more, I don't know if the term is empowered, but you're just in a better position to be doing the things that you're really focused on. But if you never really set those boundaries because you never put the job description together because you're the CEO of a growing company, then everything you're just describing certainly does make sense. So when, when, when you're talking to people, um, do do they recognize that they are doing stuff that they probably shouldn't be doing?
1: Uh, so- sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes it's really a sometimes uh, Mm -hmm. because the other problem that a lot of them face is that they, they say to themselves, like, I'm the only one who can do this. Right. And either they really believe that or they don't trust that anybody else can do it. There's all sorts of different psychology, psychological issues that sort of step into that place. But, even when they do recognize it and you have an entrepreneur who's like, Yeah, I'm just I'm totally overwhelmed, I'm totally overwhelmed, they often the, the the knee-jerk reaction is to think that they just need more time, right? Which is impossible. Right. So I love when people are like, Oh, I, I, I just need more time to do what I do really well. It's like, Well, you, you can't have it. You know, it doesn't it doesn't work that way. <laughs> so so there there's there is a big denial that comes along with it. And the expression that is super relevant here that I use all the time is that you can't read the label from inside the jar. Mm
0: that is one of my favorite i just recently heard that and that it's such a powerful such a powerful phrase right there you can't read the label from inside the jar so yeah all right so i imagine that that you've broken this down into uh steps that somebody can follow or just a process for figuring out yes in fact i'm doing stuff i shouldn't be and what do i do
1: i sure have uh, so <laughs> it's 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 a framework that I call OAO, which is Optimize, Automate, Outsource. And uh, the order of that is what's really, really important because typically what you'll see is that people will outsource or delegate as sort of a knee-jerk initial reaction. And, you know, it's like, oh, I don't, I don't want to deal with this thing. It's too hard. It's annoying. It's frustrating. I'm just going to get somebody else to do it. And that's really makes the problem a lot worse for most situations because if you take an inefficient problem, or a problem that should be automated, shouldn't have human touch on it. And you give it to a person who has less experience, less context, less information than you do. And at the same time, you're expecting a result that is superior to the result that you were going to achieve yourself. You're kind of setting everybody up for failure. So you need to optimize first. And it's in some ways the least sexy aspect of this and the most important by far, you have to look at how you do what you do right now. And a lot of us don't want to do that. It's not necessarily exciting, although to me it is. I think it's really fun and interesting. It's identify things that you're doing wrong, which a lot of people have some sort of internal resistance to. And you have to identify that there's usually going to be redundancies or uh, uh, obsolete aspects of the things that you do, and you've just been doing them for such a long time that you haven't taken the time to do that. So, And there's a framework, of course, for that aspect of it, but we, we have to start with that optimized step. Look at how you do what you do now, how you're spending your time, your resources, your energy, your money, and get outside that jar.
0: Uh, that's something that 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 I that I do on a probably once or twice a year. Is I'll 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 be really brutal with myself about how I'm spending my time, and it is an exercise that I just. It's not now that I've been doing it for a while; it gets easier, but. Is that really, is, is, is that part of it is just doing a really brutal audit on this like 10 minute increments or how, how, how do you help people go about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that, that, that auditing ability in some cases is the unique thing that the founder or the entrepreneur actually should be focusing on. And it's something that we can culturally make pervasive in, in any company and, and, and should. But at some point, like that's the tinkering that that person has to end up doing is finding those holes and finding those inefficiencies to allow their team, hopefully at some point their team, to operate as efficiently as possible and effectively as possible by removing those obstacles. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it having a monthly, quarterly, yearly, whatever it is, the fact that you're doing it twice a year is great. A lot of companies don't do it ever, you know, because there's the mentality that many take which is, if it ain't broke, don't fix it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that has legs, but that's not sustainable because at some point it will break, and it will break in a way that nine times out of ten you could have seen coming and could have avoided. The, because, you know, the thing is, is, is the, the easiest way to say it, firefighting is way sexier than fireproofing. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah I think that that's a great way to put that and 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 it certainly is. so all right so the 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 automate step, how do we go about that?
1: so there's there's some very powerful ways we can automate things. You can use machine learning and all these big fun buzzwords that people use and they and which is great, and I do that, but at the beginning, you have to start with triggers and actions. So start looking throughout your day and in your interactions when you start using the word every. Right so every time a client signs up, we do, we send out a new newsletter, we do this and this and this. Uh, every time we fire somebody, we do this and this and this. The word "every" should begin to become a trigger for you to say, "Huh, this is something that I'm doing more than once. This is something that is repetitive. <laughs> something repetitive probably has an element to it that can be automated, if not the entire thing so how do we break out of that cycle where we just keep doing those things every time? And then there becomes a time when you or someone else is supposed to do that, it's not available, or you get busy and you forget to do it. The everys need to be automated. And so then we take that further, we start looking at those triggers and actions, right? So what is the every? Like this this happens here, and then something else happens over here. And that is the basis of m- most automation. That's the simple aspect, right? That There's a trigger and an action. What has happened? What's happening in, in this case? And, you know, again, maybe it's somebody buying something. And then what's the outcome? Do you want them to get a gift? Do you want to send them an, uh, an email sequence? Do you want to create a new profile for them in your CRM? Whatever it might be, the triggers and the actions are the things that you start to automate and look at. And, and if you give that kind of an activity to a human being, you are, in essence, dehumanizing them. And they won't engage with the, they won't engage with the work. They'll make mistakes. They'll quit. They'll get sick. All sorts of things will happen. And you lose the ability to benefit from peace of mind. Because peace of mind in that situation is saying, set it and forget it. It's always going to run. It's always going to work. We're never going to not do that thing because of a person.
0: That's another powerful one right there. You lose the ability to benefit from peace of mind. Yeah. I think just... You just thought you did but a great job, but it's self
1: inflicted. That's the key. Yeah. It's self inflicted.
0: Yeah, you thought you did such a great job of of optimizing and then automating, but in fact, that's probably where you should have outsourced or used the technology.
1: Yeah. That's right. And and also, we can like technology is such an incredible tool or an incredible phenomenon. But you know, we can automate things today that um, a week ago a person had to do that just, and and probably for free and probably, you know, for somebody like coded in their bedroom in a weekend and it does the thing that you've been hiring somebody to do. Uh, And again, that's not to say that those people become obsolete. You're freeing up those people who presumably have real talent to do bigger things. We want to replace people up, not out. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Nice. All right. Um, So round this out then. For people who are listening, it's a it's it's a process: optimize, automate, outsource. Um, kind of summarize it for me, please.
1: So we go through this framework of optimize, then automate, then outsource. And the, again, that's the order is what's so important. You start by looking at how you do what you do now, identify plate and identify inherent inefficiencies, and then you look for opportunities to automate. And then if anything left over. That's when we look at outsourcing potentially. Well, Ari, Savage Nation, is,
0: yeah. Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them?
1: So the, the biggest thing really is to just look at the way you do the things that you do now. And while that sounds simple, it, it, it really isn't because a lot of us don't do it. But the other side of that that I would challenge everybody to do is look at the things you're doing and, and look at something that has a metric to it like money or time. And it's something that you do regularly so something that you spend money on regularly whether it's a piece of software or uh, a, even a person that works for you and time something that takes you two hours to do it or three hours or an hour, whatever it might be and then try dialing down and t- tightening the belt if you were and creating artificially restrictive limits on yourself and i guarantee you that you will force yourself into a way of finding a better way of doing it because if you can do something with 200 See if you can do it with a hundred. And the, the point of this is not like personal budgeting where you're like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to cut back on a meal or something like that. The point is to really identify new innovations, right? So it's like, well, if I'm spending $200 a month on this particular piece of software, what would, what if I used uh, another auto, two free pieces of software together and made that happen? Could I do it that way? Or if you, you know, it takes you two hours normally to write a blog post. What if not an hour, no matter what, what if you only had an hour? I bet you'd probably get it done, and you'd do it better. See what you can do with less.
0: I think that that is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? How can people engage with you?
1: Uh, thanks for having me on, George. Everything is at lessdoing.com. The the books, the podcasts, the program, everything is there. And uh, I I respond to most things myself because everything else is automated.
0: I love it. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Ari your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to lessdoing.com. Check out all the great resources, the books, the podcast, all of it. Thanks again, Ari. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive 2-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money. Getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com and get your mind, body, and money right.